Happy Friday to you, and welcome back to another Friday Five here on the ASG podcast. My name is Sarah Rupel, and this is our weekly list of five important things that happened this week that you should know about. Thank you so much for joining us. We have got a great list this week, and I'm not sure if it's because spring is just about in the air or what, But it was a busy week, a lot going on in a couple of different industries that agents should know about, and a few things that your clients should know about, too. So let's get into it, shall we? Number one, prescription drug provisions put in place by the Inflation Reduction Act, or IRA for short, are on track to begin this year, with some of the first going into effect on April 1st, 2023. One of the stipulations of that legislation, drug companies must pay a rebate to Medicare if they increase drug prices at a rate higher than inflation. Now, it might seem like that is a hard feat to accomplish in this economy, but the Department of Health and Human Services announced 27 prescription drugs that fall into that category, and beginning April 1st, quote, People with traditional Medicare and Medicare Advantage may pay a lower coinsurance for certain Part B drugs if the drug's price increased faster than the rate of inflation in a benchmark quarter, end quote. I have the list of 27 drugs, and I'll go through those in a moment. We will also be linking to that list in the episode notes. There is a great easy-to-read table available from the White House press release, and that would be a great resource to add to your client newsletters. In alphabetical order, the drugs newly subject to Medicare inflation rebates are Abelset, Akinzio, Atgam, Avid, Bicillin CR, Bicillin LA, Carnitor, Cytogam, Elzonris, Fetroja, Flebogamma DIF, Folatin, Fragmin, Humira, Leukine, Minocin, Myrcera, Nipent, Padsev, Ribrovant, Signifor LAR, Sylvent, Tacardis, Winro SDF, Zyaflex, Zypir, and Yascarta. Also included in the IRA, capping insulin at $35 per month for Medicare beneficiaries. In his recent fiscal year 2024 budget, President Biden proposed putting that same cost cap on insulin for everyone. In response to this legislation, both passed and proposed, two of the biggest producers of insulin have announced they will lower costs. Eli Lilly has committed to lowering their insulin prices by Q4 of this year, while Novo Nordisk recently announced plans to do the same by Q1 of 2024. Number two, on Tuesday this week, a committee from the House of Representatives announced that they would be looking into pharmacy benefit managers, or PBMs for short. Specifically, the three largest, CVS Caremark, part of CVS Health, Cigna's Express Scripts, and United Health Group's Optum Rx. The House is investigating the effect of PBMs on overall drug costs, retail pharmacy prices for consumers, 
and health insurance premiums. High prescription drug prices have been the focus of several areas of attention, and now a bipartisan effort between both Democrats and Republicans in the House. When the investigation concludes, there will be a report and possible legislation, so we will be keeping our eyes out for that and reporting back here. Number three, next week is a rate-setting meeting for the Fed. And given the recent news, many are wondering, will interest rates rise a quarter percent, a half percent, or will the Fed forego an increase altogether? It's tough to say, probably wouldn't go with that last one. But let's look at some of the factors that might weigh in on Fed Chair Jerome Powell and company's decision. First up, inflation is still high. We only saw a 0.4% increase in prices from January 2023 to February 2023, but the market is still running hot. The CPI index was up 6% year over year in February with core prices coming in at a 5.5% year-over-year increase. Food prices, in particular, increased 0.3% in February this year. But the price of eggs overall dropped 6.7% in February alone, so we are getting a little bit of relief in select pockets. But then over the weekend, failures at two banks, Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank, created the first-ever Twitter-driven bank run, with both banks ending up being taken over by the FDIC. On Monday, President Biden sought to reassure taxpayers that they would be able to get their money before investors, saying, quote, investors in the banks will not be protected. They knowingly took a risk, and when the risk didn't pay off, the investors lose their money. That's how capitalism works, end quote. Deposits held by taxpayers at both banks will be covered, and the Treasury confirmed taxpayers will not be paying for the bailout. That burden will fall on the FDIC's deposit insurance fund, which is filled by fees paid from financial institutions to the FDIC in addition to government bond interest. And that's not the only plan in place in case of more bank runs. There's also the Fed's Bank Term Lending Program, which is an emergency plan to stabilize and prevent bank runs and quick collapse. Still, it's understandable to be concerned when you hear this kind of news, and I think that concern grows when you're retired and you are relying on the money you've saved. We will be linking to an AARP piece in the notes. You can share that with your clients. It is aptly titled, Is My Money Safe? And we'll also have a few other resources in there on that same topic as well. And of course, we will report back on the Fed's decision in next week's episode after that rate-setting meeting next week. Number four. T-Mobile announced that they are acquiring Mint Mobile, the mobile company Ryan Reynolds holds partial ownership in. That deal is valued at $1.35 billion. T-Mobile CEO Mike Sievert took to YouTube on Wednesday to confirm that Mint's least expensive plan, $15 per month, would still be available for customers. 
Mint was able to offer low plan prices because the business was exclusively online. They offered many plan options, and you could bring your own device to the service. We will be linking to an NPR write-up on the merger, and that would also be another great piece of content for your newsletters. I know quite a few people who use Mint and were wondering about plan rates going up as a result of the merger. Number five, quite a bit of meta news coming out recently. So let's start with the company's announcement to end support for NFTs on Instagram and Facebook. This is one of many changes CEO Mark Zuckerberg announced as part of Meta's Year of Efficiency. NFTs were novel when they first came out, and they're still popular in certain circles and platforms. But Instagram and Facebook, well, they just aren't it. Meta will also be ending their Reels Play program, which was an incentive program for creators that set goals and rewarded creators for completing them. I enjoyed unlocking badges as I posted content, but I never looked too deeply into the program to see exactly what they were offering as far as rewards. And then, of course, the biggest meta news, layoffs of up to 10,000 employees. Yet Zuckerberg seems even more committed to the leg-missing metaverse. I will say it again because, you know, I like putting these things out into the world. Rather than trying to incorporate every new thing into one or both of these apps as they come out and become a trend, maybe listen to the users. Concentrate on what makes sense for the app and those existing users. And again, if that means a subscription to offset cost, I'm pretty sure people will pay for it if they're getting an experience they enjoy. Just by two cents, and I know I've said that before here, and we still haven't seen the option come across in the U.S. for paid verification on Instagram and Facebook. I do plan on paying for Instagram verification for at least one month so I can properly test it out and report back here. So stay tuned for that. Rupel recommends. A little while back, I mentioned the Ambies, the Awards for Excellence in Podcasting. The winners have been announced, so I thought we would highlight a few of those here. The honor of Podcast of the Year went to Chameleon Wild Boys, a podcast I have been meaning to listen to and just have not gotten around to yet. Chameleon is a podcast about cons, and Wild Boys is actually the third season of the show. It focuses on the story two half-starved boys tell when they show up in a small Canadian town. They claimed that their arrival in town was their first contact with others. They had been raised without technology. They hadn't been to school. So the town did what most towns would do. They took them in. The events took place in the summer of 2003, and the story is told by a resident of that small town 20 years later investigating the boys' claims. Every time I read more about this podcast, I think to myself, I need to listen to that. And once I do, I will report back here on it. Other winners included Business Wars for Best Business Podcast, 
We have mentioned business wars more than a few times here on the show, and I believe they've won this and other similar awards before. Best Fiction Podcast went to Last Known Position, and again, if I had to describe this show, I would call it a modern-day Moby Dick. It's been spruced up in all the right areas to make for a compelling modern story, but no word yet on season two of the podcast. But the story has been optioned as a series for Amazon Prime. Again, we will be linking to the full list of nominees and winners in the notes. And that's all we have this week. I hope you have a great weekend. Stay healthy and stay safe out there. And we will see you next week. The Agent Survival Guide podcast is a production of Ritter Insurance Marketing. This episode was written and produced by me, Sarah Rupel. Script editing by Roxanne Anderson. Artwork by Vivian Zhao.